Mr. Speaker. That means it's time for the Radio 1 Politics team to join me. Sarah Martin unfortunately can't make it this morning, so I'm joined by John Moore and Dr. Phil Ferguson. Morena to you both. Hello. Good morning. How are we? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, did you have a lovely Easter? I did. Got some nice Easter eggs, eggs, so that was Ooh. nice. Yeah, you got some eggs? Yes. Yeah, still getting eggs at your age. That's lovely. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, and I well, j- just quickly, I guess um, for for you, Phil, and, and with your background, um, Easter and the Easter Rising and and all that jazz. Um, yeah, I always think of that at, at, at Easter, and um, this is the hundred and fiftieth anniversary of a couple of important things for me as well, because two of my heroes um, from Irish history, James Connolly and Constance Markovich. We were born 150 years ago this year, and yeah. it's 100 years ago, um, later this year, that Markovic became the first woman elect- ever elected to the British Parliament. She was in jail. Um, she was being held on alleged sedition charges at the time that yeah. she was elected, so yeah, it's an... You know, practically every year is the anniversary of some sort of rebellion yeah. or <laughs> something in Ireland. So. Um, Brett, um, so I, I guess there'll be celebrations um, and things going on. Yeah. Yep, yep, You're yep. organising a talk, aren't you? Talk? Yeah, um, a talk about James Connolly um, and his uh, the relevance of his ideas about trade unions to New Zealand today and Mm-hmm. and so on um, and I'm ho- hoping to give a couple of talks l- later in the year uh, about uh, Constance Markovic as the first woman ever elected to Westminster uh, yeah oh well you have to come on yeah. you have to come on the show in another capacity the jailbird Markovic <laughs> oh well, we better get into it uh, Carol and Claire have a coffee um, <laughs> what's the 411 on this, John? Well, yes, um, arguably the, the, sh- the shit has hit the fan for the government, the honeymoon is over. Mm. Uh, so in regards to Claire Curran, Claire Curran is our own MP for Dunedin South, and uh, yes, has in the past got herself some little bits of trouble here and there. Uh, in this particular case, um, quite, a, quite arguably quite a serious issue, although it might be seen as a beltway issue by many people. Um, Claire Curran has been uh, pushing as uh, as Broadcasting Minister for Radio New Zealand to take on the role almost as a a public TV broadcaster. So to actually um, set up um, a a television station under the name of RNZ, RNZ Plus, which would be, you'd be able to flick on your TV and there would be uh, RNZ Plus as a public broadcaster. Now the RNZ management has been very reluctant to take this up and has been arguing uh, with Claire Curran over this, saying that this, you know, um, creating a new television station, that's an old platform. Form. Yeah. You know, that, that's um, it's all about uh, digital media now, the internet, um, you've got platforms like Netflix, etc. You know, the, there's a whole trend away from um, the old television channel type platform. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably that's right, arguably that's wrong. Um, and certainly Claire Curran, as, as a minister, um, has a duty and right to push her case. Um, 
However, what she did, um, or what is alleged, that uh, she arranged without the knowledge of uh, Radio New Zealand's top management um, uh, a, a meeting um, with um, Carol Hirschfeld, who is in char- was in charge of the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so a, a middle-level management manager, uh, at least in Radio New Zealand. Um, Carol Hirschfeld, this was seen or found out uh, and then Carol Hirschfield claimed uh, to the management in Radio New Zealand that this was a complete coincidence that they yeah. just bumped into each other in this cafe um, uh, Claire Curran's office eventually uh, contacted Radio New Zealand and said no this was a um, an informal but an arranged meeting um, uh, although this wasn't declared publicly so this came out later and um, so well, who cares? Why should we care about this? Isn't it just a beltway issue? Isn't it just a minor issue? Um, the argument is no, it's actually quite a serious issue. Um, we have a, um, a state-owned media platform that is meant to act uh, independently and objectively, uh, uh, not meant to be clearly just a propaganda piece for the government. And we have a uh, minister, that, not just the Minister of Crown, but the Minister of Broadcasting, uh, uh, allegedly secretly meeting uh, with the the chief of news uh, for this um, state-run broadcasting uh, platform and not divulging that she has met with the Minister of Broadcasting with her bosses in Radio New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So this brings up uh, whole issues of conflict of interest, uh, of state interference um, in in, um, a public broadcasting media platform, uh, uh, a lack of transparency. And the ironic thing here is Claire Curran is actually also Minister of Open Government and she certainly hasn't acted in an open and transparent way here Um, so the argument is should she go? Yeah, yeah Carol wants RNZ Plus Yes, she, yes. You know, we're going to make, you know, she wants this to happen. You know, she's old TV. John's there with her as well, you yes. know, and, and they stream that live. This is something that she really wants. Um, this funding that's up for grabs is 34 million mm. odd. That's not just funding for RNZ, that's funding that's set aside for broadcasters like us at Radio 1 mm. uh, and, and other. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, other community oh, uh, broadcasters. And it certainly doesn't seem enough to actually set up a, a standalone television station. No, no, not at all. But, um, you know, and it's, like you said, it's no secret that the, the head of RNZ and the, the bosses, they don't want a part. Mm. They don't want a bar of it. They don't see it as... Yes, yeah, so the allegation is that this was a, a deliberate meeting uh, where um, they want where the minister event. felt she had an ally in Carol yeah, Hirschfeld. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. so she was trying, and um, the argument is that in an underhand way, in a non-transparent way, she was trying to uh, forge an alliance, if you like, with Carol Hirschfeld and who knows who else. Mm. Uh, against upper management of Radio New Zealand. Uh, certainly, it's certainly um, her place, um, Claire Curran's place, to push this issue. Um, it, it was um, mentioned in the electoral <coughs> platform, although I don't believe it's a coalition agreement mm. uh, to have an independent public broadcasting station. But to do this in a non-transparent way, yeah. uh, yes, uh, there's lots of questions. I mean, they're certainly not the only public broadcaster that's been knocking on the door of Claire Curran. I can tell you that much for, for nothing. Oh, and, really? you know, okay. uh, yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, like John said, um, Phil, uh, oh, you know, she's the Minister of Open Government and Labour promised to be quite transparent uh, on a lot of issues. You know, is that a promise that they're not really keen to keep? Is this just something they said or has Claire just gone rogue? Well, 
I don't actually have any time for, for, for Claire Curran or Labour, but I've got to say, in this particular instance, I have a bit of a different take. Like, the, the problem with the state-owned um, enterprises and so on is this, a, a part of the problem with them is this idea that they should just be left alone and they do whatever they do. But the management of RNZ at the end of the day, nobody has ever elected them. The government, whether we like them or not, is actually elected. And I don't have a problem with them saying to, to people in RNZ um, around the um, RNZ Plus, you know, this is what is going to happen. Mm. And I also don't have a problem with an individual from RNZ meeting whoever she wants to meet. Yeah. And it's not like they met in a dark alley at midnight or in Claire Curran's private house or something. Like, they didn't meet in a, it was in a public cafe. So it's not like it was a secret meeting. And they were obviously going to get seen and people were obviously going to say, well, what are they talking, you know, talking about? Then surely they're not just having coffee. You know, Carol Hirschfeld's a very political person mm. and Claire Curran's the Minister of, of Broadcasting. So it's not transparent. So, so it wasn't transparent in the sense that Claire Curran didn't declare it. But it's not really secretive either, is it? No. Um, and so I think... A, there is a bit of a to me there is a bit of, there is a bit of a problem which is when it's something like broadcasting you've got the possibility of the government politic of the government of the day whether it's national led or labor led actually you know influencing yeah. editorial yeah. policy and so that kind of concerns me in that it's not quite the same as a, a, as an SOE that is not to do with broadcasting. Mm. Mm. And, and let's remember here, Phil, that uh, Carol Hirschfeld uh, was head, head of news. news yeah. So uh, for and, and she clearly saw it as a secret meeting by the fact that she uh, told her bosses that it was just a coincidence that she had just bumped into Claire yeah. Curran. So clearly in uh, Carol Hirschfeld's mind, this, this was a secret underhand meeting. Yeah, but, uh, but why shouldn't she, why, why should somebody who works for an organisation, why, why should she? Because that's, yeah, she's meeting with the Minister of Broadcasting, who's, um, who's arguably got an incentive to try and politically influence the type of news that is coming across on But that New wasn't New what Zealand. the meeting was no, about. And Carol no. Hirschfeld is, is the head, head of, of news, news, and this was not an open and transparent yeah. meeting. And, and Claire Curran even had this in Parliament when she was asked um, what she had done during the week. Uh, she, she did not um, uh, openly say that she had had a meeting with Carol Hirschfeld. It was mm. only when um, uh, it came out in Radio New Zealand and, and Carol Hirschfeld's job, job was under threat that Claire Curran was forced to mm. to admit that she had had this meeting. So it, I think it really stinks. That's I, the problem. Yeah, I think she's been duplicitous about it mm. and I don't like the fact that Carol Hirschfeld is the one that's lost her job. She's brilliant. But, I've, yeah, I... <sighs> I have a problem with the idea that if you are in the position that Carol Hirschfield is in, you can't meet with anybody whenever you like. Mm. like I don't actually agree with this sort of that kind of corporate, you know, like rule over employees. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with her 
But she's not just an employee. She she's no. she was head of news. I have an issue. She if she's going a managerial role in Radio New Zealand. She has she yeah. has huge influence mm. over how RNZ deals with talking about the government. And she's secretly meeting, um, or not being open and transparent about her meeting with the head of broadcasting. If if she, but had, she doesn't have very much power, she, she no. resi- had to resign. If she if she had you know I mean if the secret meeting was about uh, influencing broadcasting yeah. and making Labour look good and God knows Claire needs all the help she can get um, then there would be an issue but they're discussing the expansion of something and and a pet project of Carol's and a pet project of Claire's something that that is really we don't know what they discuss do we well, we don't, but... Um, Ask the people who were sitting next to them yeah, by yeah. the coffee tables next well, to Well, surely them. there was yeah, a tape recorder and a teapot somewhere. <laughs> yeah. like, sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it is a mess, but really, really we, you're right, we don't know what they're discussing. But when it really comes down to it, for my mind anyway, it's just the, it's just the lying. Mm. It's just yeah. the trying to cover yes. it up. Yeah. That is the real issue here. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and, and it is unfortunate that you know the Minister of Broadcasting and, and a certain employee of um, a broadcasting institution that is run by the government can't have a meeting. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, can't have an open meeting like because yeah. it was on the books. But there should be a meeting where minutes fine. minutes are taken. If there's is this important issue, it's been discussed between the Minister of Broadcasting and Carol Hirschfeld what if it was and just her role as head of media. It should be an open and transparent meeting where minutes are taken and where they can be put into the public arena, and mm. we can all have an input into that discussion and as well. But when when. Arguably, Claire Curran is possibly was offering uh, Carol Hirschfeld uh, quite a, a lot that would be arguably of material benefit to Carol Hirschfeld and possibly arguably running a new television station. Um, then questions of media independence and the independence of the head of news of Radio New Zealand in relation to the government, that all comes up. That, that all um, collapses, doesn't it? But mm, Carol, Hirschfeld, Carol Hirschfeld's record isn't one of being a Labour toady, is it? You know, no. Like, her and John Campbell were quite a team, and they certainly managed to piss off the last Labour government. Um, so, and if Claire Curran was kind of sneakily trying to offer Carol Hirschfield, you know, material incentives, would you do, would you, would you do that in a cafe? Yeah. Like she'd she'd either ring her up, or if she was worried about mm. that being eavesdropped, you know, she'd say, "Come over for tea." Yeah, come over to the house. That's what I was thinking as well. It's yeah. weird. Um, what about so? What's <laughs> RNZ saying now? What are the chair? What's the chairman Richard Griffin saying? And and Paul Thompson? And why did they appear in a select committee about this? Well, they initially appeared before a select committee, <laughs> uh, where they where they said that uh, they took Carol Hirschfeld as a word and said that it was just coincidence that they had just bumped into each other in a cafe the Minister of Broadcasting and and the Head of News for RNZ. Uh, Subsequently, they found out that this was a lie, Uh, so um, they had a duty to go before uh, the committee again and actually say that they had unintentionally misled the committee. Um, What's of real concern is now uh, Richard Griffin, uh, the Chairman of RNZ, is saying that he received a a voice message from the Minister of Broadcasting, um, Claire Curran, Place what he believed was placing pressure on him not to turn up to the committee or RNZ to uh, just uh, put in a, a written statement 
uh, clarifying their mistake. Um, again, this is this is um, I think this is really chilling that the head of broadcasting is uh, seems again to be acting in an underhand way and 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 arguably placing pressure on RNZ on how to act you can see and, and what to say. You and can I see think why this is this is really chilling and um, yeah, arguably uh, dangerous. You can see why National's not calling for a head. Like, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, if this stuff keeps coming up, I'd have yeah, to know. Yeah, it's just making the government yeah. look very incompetent. I mean, yeah. people calling for a head should be Jacinda Ardern. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think... And I think she's gone in the medium to long term anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, like, Claire Currents used to kind of lording it over the Labour Party in South Dunedin, and she's not really understood that she can't behave yeah. in the same way when she's playing with the big boys and girls, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, the, the, if you look at who's on the board of RNZ and you look like, at somebody like Richard Griffin, I mean, he's got all kinds of political links and has for, for donkey's mm. years. Mm. And you're not going to tell me that, you know, his appointment didn't have anything to do with politics, that he was, he was put in that position purely on the basis of his uh, his skills as a, as a journalist or a, what was he, speechwriter for one of the national prime ministers um, you know th- these these things are all are all political yeah. and they're all part of how the new how the news is shaped and and all the rest of it like you know I don't really watch TV one news much I prefer to watch TV3 because I find that actually the privately owned <laughs> owned station gives a little bit more has a wider variety of views on it and if there's a big protest on it's quite likely to be ignored by the public broadcaster and covered by covered by TV3 and arguably that's because you have that distance between a, a, yeah. a private private media platform yes. and the government which although legally you do with RNZ uh, clearly with what we've seen in the last two weeks possibly you don't and uh, again I think it's uh, shocking that Claire Curran would actually try to intervene and stop uh, the, the head of RNZ from uh, talking publicly to a select committee I think that's that's completely not on and it, it, again for the so called Minister of Open Government uh, to try and actually stop uh, um, the head of RNZ being questioned in a public way that we can all hear, uh, that we and then we can all um, be involved in this debate. She was actually trying to effectively close down that debate, and I think it's unacceptable. Yeah, I agree with I, I agree with you on that. Um, but but j- just to reiterate, we're actually dealing with two political blocks here. We're dealing with the government, which is obviously in the more powerful position because ultimately, you know, they can do whatever they want just to be able with RNZ. But we're also dealing with a political block in RNZ. The management of RNZ, you know, are very political people, mm-hmm. um, and they behave in, in a way in a particular kind of way and they make decisions about what we see in in TV1 um, news and current affairs and all the rest of it and they're, they're highly politicised but oh. isn't it um, at the very least uh, uh, a lesson to evils to have uh, e- even if you could argue that the, the management of RZ is politicised and have their own agenda isn't it a lesser evil that they do have their independence and you don't have um, the Minister of Broadcasting or other government ministers actually trying to shape the type of news that they're delivering 
but they're shaping the type of news anyway. And the and the point about them is that nobody's ever elected them. At least with the government, they're they're elected, and. I mean, like we know, I don't like the, I don't happen to like the government. I mean, do you really want Claire Curran having any say over <laughs> the type of news that is delivered on RNZ? But her, no, if thank it's not, you. If it's not her, it's going to be one of the other ones, and we're going to get the we're going to get the same thing. And I don't think Richard Griffin, having him or anybody else on that board shaping the news is a, is a great mm. thing either. Yeah, well, it's not worse than Buddy Mike Hoskins anyway. Yeah, yeah. 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 Was he working for the state? Mm. Um, right, we better move on um, because we've we've chewed up a lot of time. Uh, immigration New Zealand uh, being accused of breaching the Human Rights Act. Um, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, Gauris Garaman, um, the Green Party's immigration spokesman, has uh, found out um, somehow that uh, Immigration New Zealand has been using a, a, a data model where when they're looking at cases of, pe- of people who are either illegally in New Zealand or say have um, the application, they're living here but the application um, for um, uh, residency has failed um, and in those cases uh, they, they, they can reapply or, mm-hmm. or question that decision so what what um, apparently Immigration New Zealand are doing and they've made this themselves is that they they look at these individual cases and then they come up with uh, a profile based on their ethnicity their gender, their age and based on their uh, ethnicity gender and age they say what's the likelihood of say this person committing a crime or what's the likelihood that this person is lying about possibly uh, um, a- about the relationship they're in or what's the possibility that this person could start uh, uh, sucking up money taxpayers money so called taxpayers money in the health system etc and then making a decision uh, based on that uh, that profiling of that person based on race on gender three age bits of data. yeah and, and um, uh, Golrez uh, Charman has, has argued I think quite succinctly that this is uh, uh, illegal and uh, a clear breach of the New Zealand Human Rights Act and it, it sort of uh, um, it brings back memories of sort of the, the dawn raids where um, first by the um, uh, Norman Kirk Labour government and then the um, Muldoon government in the 70s where certain selective ethnic groups, mainly Polynesians, were targeted um, uh, to, to uh, kick uh, so-called um, illegal migrants or people who, who didn't have a legal right to stay here out of the country. And at that time there were lots of um, uh, uh, illegal people from, say, Britain and Europe as well, but specifically um, Samoans largely were targeted. And this arguably seems to be the case here as well that they're using a computer system uh, that when they're looking at individual cases to to come up with the likelihood of that person uh, in the future breaking the law or using a health system or etc etc Sounds like Minority Report. Yes, and uh, um, <laughs> one, one, one particular um, migrant rights group has, has said exactly that, yeah. that it looks like um, Minority Report. And we, if people have seen Minority Report, it's um, based on a Philip K. Dick novel, the, mm. the idea that you, um, uh, the sort of psychic uh, superhumans are able to make predictions over where someone is more likely or not to commit a future crime and then that person is arrested on the basis that they might uh, commit a future crime and this seems, this seems to be exactly that type of case here. Yeah. I, 
Oh, sorry, go on. I thought it was funny when the guy who was the immigration um, spokesperson, Murray, always the head of the investigative thing, and he said, oh, it's not racial profiling because we do age and gender too. <laughs> and I thought, you know, why open your mouth wide and put your other foot in? Okay, so it is racial profiling, plus it's age profiling, yeah. plus it's gender profiling. Intersectional profiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just appalling. And it means that some people are being seen as guilty of something because some other people yeah. in the past who happen to have the same ethnic background or come from the same country or be the same gender or whatever did something. Mm. And he's saying, you know, that's a predictor. Well, you know, 120 years ago, so-called scientists were measuring people's heads and the shape of people's skulls and so on and predicting criminal <laughs> behaviour from that. How was this any? How was this any it's better? Not. It's not. It's, it's, it's yes. a. It's a yeah, pseudo science. Yeah, yeah. It's crap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like saying you know we're not going to take refugees in from this country because yeah. this country mm. they've got terrorist camps. Well, there is someone like the uh, 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 leader in the world who's yeah, yeah, making decisions yeah, exactly, based on that. Exactly. And this yeah. does sound Mr. like Mr. Donald Trump. This yeah. sounds like something that Trump yeah. would do. Mm. And I've you know I've got friends who come from a particular um, country in West. We'll say it's in West Asia, and the husband has been here. Um, for um, about 10 years as a, refu a political refugee and as a New Zealand citizen. The wife is permanent resident. Their baby when it was born is a New Zealand citizen and um, his mother wanted to come and help when the baby was born and she was only coming here for you know like six months or something and she couldn't get in. And it was very weird because she had like money to keep her. She was only coming for six months mm -hmm. and like why on earth would she be declined? And like mm. now it seems obvious why she, why she was, de yeah. why she was declined. It's just absolutely appalling. And like I say, New Zealand citizen, permanent resident, and the child a New Zealand citizen, and she was coming in, you know, on family grounds to help with the with the baby, and she was denied entry into New Zealand. Mm. And there's, you know, she's a woman in her fifties. She's not going to be running around knocking off, you know, Seven Eleven stores. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, the government seems to be more and more relying on um, computer technology for a lot of things, yeah. and, and, and um, so-called AI. It's not quite at the AI level, but um, you know, and that's gonna that's gonna cause problems. But shouldn't the government? You know, I mean, surely it's the government's prerogative to to do that kind of thing. You know, is 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 the Human Rights Act keeping up with the pace of technology? You know, I'm just well, being well, devil's first advocate. Of all, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's fine. Yeah, to be the devil's advocate and and put these ideas out into the public arena. But the fact is, there's no transparency here. Um, yeah. It wasn't until yesterday that Immigration Minister Ian Lee's Galloway actually even knew that the um, Immigration New Zealand were doing this. So there's absolutely no transparency, which means that when people are challenging um, immigration decisions, they're not actually aware mm. that this um, arguably racist-type profiling is being used by Immigration New Zealand. So I remember we had a case, I think it was in Dunedin, where um, a, a New Zealand woman was um, married, I think, to an African guy, uh, and the African guy applied for residency on that basis of partnership, um, the Immigration New Zealand actually did a raid on their place and claimed that it wasn't a legitimate relationship. Now, mm. on what basis were they making that mm. decision? Were they using racist profiling and uh, a certain computer um, 
a software model to actually say, well, someone from a certain African country is, is, is more likely to lie about her relationship. We don't know because there's no transparency here. And when the Minister of Immigration doesn't even know what Immigration New Zealand are doing, then it's all very sort of, I don't know, deep state. I know a woman that was duped duped by her her lover uh, and like he kept the relationship going for two years and as soon as he got residency he was out the door yeah and of course that happens of course that happens yeah, yeah. there's but, no guarantee that a relationship is going to mm. uh, stay together well we've got we've got to, I'm sorry we've run out of time we've got to go but I, I, I wondered to myself are we using computer technology to save money um, mm. so the uh, so other government uh, uh, agencies don't have to be in buildings that are covered in shit and mold uh, that yeah. makes I, I wonder that quite a bit you've got to save money somewhere you either live you either have a building that's falling apart and covered in purse uh, or you uh, use a computer system that's, and then uh, you can say it's all scientific and objective yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly exactly um geez they say they left it in a good state didn't they <laughs> didn't they oh we've left this government with some great books you know look at look at the surplus because everything else is falling around around falling down around our ears thank you very much